0: Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 39 of Jake's World, presented by The Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, October 20th. A lot of sports to break down from over the weekend. Lots of sports today, it's going to be a pretty heavy sports episode and I'm super excited to get into all of it. I mean, watching the World Series game as we speak right now, Tyler Glasnow just gave up a bomb to Cody Bellinger and 2-0, 2-0 Dodgers. It was definitely nice to see the Houston Astros lose because I mean like I've alluded to many times myself and you have to know if you follow baseball whatsoever meaning the Dodgers are probably the most hated franchise in all of sports right now based on what they've done over the last uh, few seasons but um Rays made it close that's for damn sure I mean they were up 3-0. I think uh, both went to seven from up three games. I think it was 3-0 on the Rays-Astros side and then three run 3-1 on the Braves-Dodgers side. But, I mean, it got pretty dicey there. I mean, it's hard to lose four straight in any best-of-seven series. I mean, I don't... It was a big deal in the NBA when LeBron won that 3-1. Uh, when the Warriors blew that 3-1 lead, so... You don't see that very much, but it was nice to see the Rays hang on and manage to win the CS. They did that on Saturday and then the Dodgers ended up winning Sunday night after the Rays blew a 3-1 lead in the series and I believe it was also a 3-1 lead in the game as well. And it's kind of funny because um, I mean Twitter's kind of been on fire lately. I'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show. But um A lot of the sports people were pointing out that, like, Atlanta is a cursed sports town, right? Because the Falcons ended up winning the football game earlier. They beat the Vikings 40-27, 33, something like that. And um, that meant, like, the Braves could not possibly win. Like, all the good juju for the city ran out. And then I saw speaking, and I saw something else today on Twitter, like Mount Rushmore of Atlanta sports collapses or whatever, right? And of course, there were yeah four of them. Was um, it was um, of course the Falcons blowing the twenty eight to three lead in the Super Bowl in twenty seventeen. The, um, who else was on there? Fuck, I don't even remember all four of them. Then uh, the Braves and the, the CS this past time around. Um, something else was on there. And then it was like Luka Doncic being traded to the Mavericks immediately after the Hawks drafted him for Trae Young. Which, I mean, wasn't a... I mean, it's not like Trae Young's bad, but he's certainly no Luka Doncic, so... That was my really uneventful Twitter insight there. But anyways, um, I don't see how the Dodgers don't win this series. I mean, I said that last Tuesday, Wednesday when you heard it. Um, I said that last time, you know, in this, when this championship series started and then it went to seven games. So, I mean, the Rays are really good. I don't think anyone really expected them to be here yet, but... Sometimes you get some luck going your way, and that's kind of what it seemed like. That's what it seemed like that happened for them. Pretty much all playoffs. I mean, they were probably the underdog, and well, I want to say that in the CS, the Astros got hot at the right time, but they certainly weren't favored to beat the Yankees in a five-game series. They went five games. Um, I mean, the Astros were a sub-five-hundred team in the regular season. But they got hot at the right time. They made it close. George Springer played really well. I mean, he seems to come alive in the postseason every year, wires or not, trash cans or not. Um, Correa had another walk-off home run in game six. Um, Altuve looked a little better. I think the bats came came alive for him, I mean, in the middle part of that series. So they made it close. But everybody was praying the Rays won. And it would be really cool to see the Rays win again. But then again, it's like, well, you know, the Dodgers have been here three of the last four years. And they still have not managed to win the World Series. So, I mean, like I said, I don't see the Dodgers losing. I think this one's going to go six. I'd say Dodgers in six. But you never know playoff Kershaw is a thing he's very bad when the stage is you know the largest when it's the brightest when the lights are the brightest he can't seem to come through so I guess we will we'll see what happens so I mean it's bottom of fourth right now Klasma's in a little bit of a jam and there's a lot of baseball left so I guess we'll see keep trucking along when it comes to baseball um Quick note on hockey, um, of course the season is concluded, but probably the best play-by-play caller in the history of the NHL broadcast, arguably, um, Mike Emmerich, Doc, Doc Emmerich, decided to call it a career after, Jesus, it was like 45 years in the business, I think he started in 1977 in the industry. And then, you know, by the early 80s, he was on TV calling games. And, I mean, he's on the NHL games. He's been on NBC with Eddie Olchek for a long, long time. And, yeah, I mean, he's, like, the reason why you can watch hockey on TV and why it's so exciting, too, because he's the best. And I saw something where... Like, he's called over 3,500 NHL games. He used, like, 110 different um, adjectives for um, a shot attempt. And, like, it's just crazy. Like, he's a legendary, legendary character. And I know the NHL isn't the biggest market. It's definitely the smallest market of the four American major sports. But, I mean, look at your Giants in any other sport, right? Uh, baseball. I mean, baseball is a little different because it's, you know, the major games are broadcasted on during the regular season, you know, on ESPN or MLB Network. Otherwise, it's like your local guys, right? Um, but then you got to look at people like, in baseball it's Bob is probably the best one. Vin Scully's up there. Um, Harry Carey was up there for you know, in the for the Cubs in the nineteen eighties, the seventies. Um playoffs, it's different. That's when it's on your local Fox, right? Joe Buck does the games. Um On ESPN, it's A-Rod, Jessica Mendoza, Joe Morgan did it for a while. He just passed away a couple of days ago. Rest in peace to him, part of the Big Red Machine, Hall of Fame second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. But um, even football, right? I mean, Tony Romo is probably the best broadcaster in the game. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels are really good. It's really different because there's so many different people who do those broadcasts, right? And NBC is, seems to be like the exclusive one for any that's the, the network who plays NHL games. It's NBC Sports, or NBC or NHL Network. And a lot of people don't have NHL Network. Everyone has NBC and NBC Sports comes with a basic cable provider, so it's like he he's like probably the best announcer. Out of your respective sports, if that makes sense. And even like basketball too, like NBA on TNT. You've got uh, Ernie Johnson and Shaq and Charles Barkley and um, Kenny DeJet Smith. Mike Breen and uh, I think it's Jeff Van Gundy and uh, Mark Jackson. They do the games and it's like, it's just different when you have a multitude of characters or personalities calling these games and doc was the best i mean his voice is iconic i mean hockey is so different because the play by play isn't just you kind of talking over the game you know talking about other things and you know entertaining the crowd while you you know to call a game hockey you he's you're into it right you he calls like every pass to every player right shot um saves. Ring ten bells for that save. All those all those little phrases he's been doing for f- decades, right? And I know I'm gonna miss him for sure, because he's definitely the best for me. And like there's no second. So definitely gonna miss him. Um hockey's not gonna be the same. And he did like a five-minute tribute video, which is really cool, but He knew it was time to step away. So, I mean, he'll definitely be missed. And, I mean, it's not going to be the same, but whatever. NFL, week six, a lot happened. Upsets, a lot of them. I mean, your heavy hitters lost, Green Bay lost. They played like shit. Played like shit. They're in second place in the NFC North now. And uh, I'll get to the Bears in a little bit. Kind of my take on them. Um, New England looked really bad against the Broncos. Um, Philly made it close with Baltimore. Chiefs and Bills played a good Monday night game. The Cowboys are awful. Jets are awful. A little more to come with um, Dolphins and their developing quarterback situation. Um I mean, it, it's football, right? I mean, it's just kind of the grind of the season right now. And you, it's still too early to tell who your clear, clear favorites are in the NFC, anyways, just because a lot of these teams are rather untested. Um, the AFC, of course, is going to be the Ravens and the Chiefs. I mean, good teams lose a game once in a while. That was the case with Kansas City against the Raiders. And I don't see Kansas City losing too much more for the rest of the season. Same thing with the Ravens. I mean, the Steelers are really, really good. The Browns look terrible on Sunday. And, I mean, there's only a few a handful of unbeaten teams left. One of them is going to lose this week because the Titans and the Steelers are both 5-0. and They play each other. Um, who else has undefeated? The Seahawks. They're not really battle-tested quite yet either. I mean, they haven't played a anybody of note. I mean, I think they played the Cowboys, they played the Vikings, who turned out to be really bad. They lost to the Falcons. They got their first win this season. Um, I believe the Jets are the only team with zero wins too, by the way. But I think the C- Seattle might have played the Rams already too. It's just it's so strange right now because um, all the top teams in each conference are – It's just, there's no clear favorite on the NFC side. The AFC, like I already mentioned there, it's going to be Kansas City and Baltimore. That's a lock, right? Pittsburgh's going to be really good. They're going to win the AFC North. Or, no. Who knows? I mean, the Steelers and Ravens might score off. It depends how that game goes. I imagine the Ravens win that division, but the Steelers are going to be an unfortunate um, wild wildcard team just because i they're probably going to get second even the east isn't the east is up for grabs i mean typically it's the patriots locked in they're 2 and 3 the bills are 4 and 2 and um 3 and 2 4 i think they're 4 and 2 i think they've played 6 games um and the dolphins are 3 and 3 i mean they're in the hunt so i mean we'll just See what happens. In the NFC, like I said, it's it's kind of a scrum for the top right now. I mean, Seattle's 5 and 0. Last I think they're the last undefeated team in the NFC to my knowledge. I mean, the 49ers look like they have some weaknesses. I don't think the Rams are as good as they are on paper. Um, I mean, the Cardinals are 3 and 3. Green Bay Chicago that's going to be a tight race. I think the Lions are better than they are on paper. I mean they're 3 and 3, but they or No, they're 2 and 3, but they could easily be 3 and 1 or 3 and 4 and 1. They if they don't blow a lead to the Bears or in the Saints, they could be in the hunt too. But um let's talk about the Chicago Bears for a little bit because um Sundays I watch football with two Bears fans, right? And um, they're pretty. They'll, Jeff and Rooster are pretty, um, pretty honest about their team's expectations, and they're honest about how the season's going for them. They think the Bears have been written off, and they are a much better team than they're giving credit for, which is what I'm going to talk about. Um, it seems like there is this big media narrative, ooh, that's gone, 2-1, good piece, it's not over yet, playoff Kershaw, anyways, it seems like there's this big media narrative against the Chicago Bears for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why, but I really do think that's the case, just from, you know, Vegas setting them as underdogs every week, and they continue to win. And um, I mean, Twitter and way people react. I mean, Twitter, most people on Twitter are pretty stupid. They don't know what they're talking about. When it comes to anything, sports or pop culture or politics or anything, 99% of them are dumb or trolls or both. But um, it does seem like the sports media world does not take the they don't take the Bears seriously. And I think it's time they start doing that because that defense is still I'd say the second best defense in the league. Behind the Ravens. I mean, when it comes to team defense, there's, you know, a handful of teams at the top and then after that it pretty much falls off. Because some teams have You know, good front or good secondary run pass. And there's a handful that have good, it's solid 11 in both areas, right? The Bears, the Ravens, the Steelers have a poor secondary. They're pretty beat up, but their front seven's really good. Um, Same... Tampa Bay is probably the, one of the best run defenses in the league. Their, pass, their secondary is not awful either. The Colts are up there, right? There's so many teams that get by with average defense or bad defenses and they struggle. The Bears will, the way their defense plays, they don't have to score 28 points in a game, right? Their defense keeps them in games. Even even when they don't play their best, they're always in a position to win because of the playmakers on that defense with Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks. Um, those are the uh, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, those guys up front. Then you have like Will Fuller. I think that's his name. Will Fuller. No, that's the wide receiver. Um, fuck with that fuck is his name? Fuck, I'm having a brain fart. Um, I don't remember. Their secondary is really good too. That's what I'm tr- getting at, right? They don't have to play an, a fantastic offensive game every week in order to win like many other teams in the league do. And they win ugly for the most part. I mean, I don't think that is unfair to say. But, You don't have to win good, or you don't have to look good winning, right? When they won the Super Bowl in 1985, or 86 season, they had the probably the best running back of all time, Walter Payton. That was it. I mean, Jim McMahon was an average quarterback who played well that season, and, you know, in that stretch in the 80s, their defense – was the best defense of all time. They outscored opponents 400 to like 150. I mean, their offense clicked that year. But when you allow 160 points as a defense in a season, that's 10 points a game. You, you could have the Jets offense and you'd be competitive. Actually, not true. But you can have an average offense in... If you take those numbers and put them into context, you can win with a touchdown and two field goals every week based on those numbers. That's just how it – that's the Bears' M.O. It always has been. They've never had a franchise quarterback. Never. They've always had a good running back when they're good. They've had good running back and a extremely strong, stingy defense. And we're, like, surprised every week that the Bears win. Oh, they look terrible. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. They won. Quit writing them off because they're a good team. And, I mean, I'm a Packers fan. And, I mean, a lot of it's just banter, you know, the rivalry banter, right? But I think there are people out there who genuinely believe that the Bears are just a bad team. Most people picked them to win six, five, six, seven games this year, and they're already at five. It's week six. It's like, uh, enough, just don't ride the takeout. It's wrong. It's done. They win ugly, but they win. And that's what matters at the end of the day, right? They're underdogs every week, and they they win. I mean, they, were, they weren't favored against... They were favored against Detroit. They barely won. They probably weren't favored against Atlanta, and they won. Who did they lose to? I don't even remember. Because they beat Atlanta, Detroit, Tampa, Thursday night game. Um, Carolina this past Sunday. And the Giants. Who did they lose to? Think, think, think. I could look it up real quick, but what I'm trying to say is, like, it doesn't matter if they win ugly. I've said it like three times now. It does not matter how you look every and week to week. I mean, do you? They're lucky too, but it's like, do you? The luck's gonna run out eventually. That's just. That's how it's gotta be. Like you can't you know, put you can't shoot yourself in the foot every week and expect to win like they have been, but they don't need to look good on offense. They need to do a passable job on offense, and if they do that, they're going to win. Playoffs, that's a different story. I I'd imagine they'd be a first round exit if they don't have the offense clicking. You know, at okay. least 25, 30 points a game. Because once you get to better offenses, you're, that defense is going to be tired. That, that's just natural. But for right now, they're going to be just fine. Especially in that NFC North Division, too. They're by and away the best defense in that division. Green Bay's not looking good defensively. At least they didn't last time. They allowed points. They're improving. That defense is improving for sure. But it's um no, oh, they lost the Colts. Okay, that was. But they only allowed 19 points. That was just a disastrous game for the offense. Green Bay or Chicago scored 27, 17, 30, 19, 20, and 23. You can expect them to get 23 to 25 points a game. That's all they need with that defense. Just quit writing them off. They might go and beat the Rams next week. I would fade whoever the Bears are playing until they prove that they look terrible on offense. I mean, switching from Trubisky to Foles is probably the best thing they could have done. And it's like, I don't know, I just don't understand. It's like, you got to be a little honest with yourself at some point. It's like, the Bears aren't that bad. They're just not. So Okay, moving on from that. The next thing, this is something that, this is a hill I'm going to die on. Rookie quarterbacks in the ideal situation should never play their first season. I'll get into the details in a little bit. But the Dolphins announced earlier this afternoon that um, Tua Tagovailoa. I'd never say his name right, but Tua Alabama phenom is starting week eight against the who are they playing? I think the Rams. Um, they're benching Ryan Fitzpatrick and going forward with the rookie. Now, just the Dolph- in the Dolphins' context, it's like why are you switching away from Fitzpatrick? It's working, like he's doing just fine is benefiting from watching. I mean, Fitzmagic is definitely not the perfect uh, teacher by any stretch. I mean, he's a career NFL journeyman, backup quarterback, which that's fine. But it's like, don't fix it if it's not broken, right? You can even go back to the Bears thing. If Trubisky won week one without going to Foles, he would have... Gotten that he would have played week two, and if they won that, which they should have played the Giants, he would have played week three. Don't fix it if it's not broken. The Bears were broken, they fixed it. Don't why you're three and three. I mean, you just played the Jets. I mean, that's not really saying much, and their schedule is not fantastic, but I mean, they beat the 49ers handily very handily. I mean, the Dolphins were probably anticipate, like, figured, what, four, five, six games they'd win? Why, why, is, why go away from that? I don't understand that. And it never works out when you don't give that rookie quarterback a year to sit and watch and learn. Get up to NFL speed. And if the NFL is so much faster than college. I mean, of the guys I've watched, I've been watching football pretty much my entire life from what, you know, of the guys I can remember, Joe Burrow is probably the most game-ready quarterback I've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes had a breakout year when he started, but he sat an entire year behind Alex Smith. I don't think we remember that. It's because Alex Smith got um, traded or signed with Washington, whatever it was. And then he had that horrific injury. But it's like, we forget that. Look at all the guys who got drafted. I'm going recently here. I'm not going to go too far back because there are too many. And football, the Rotation's always changing with guys getting hurt or signing deals or whatever. Look at all the guys who've played and have not benefited from sitting a full season because circumstances dictated them needing to play or there wasn't even a serviceable backup quarterback in town. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield sat four weeks, not even four weeks, Ty- Tyrod Taylor, or Terod Taylor, however you wanna say it. He got a concussion week, I think it was week three or week four against, uh, I think they were playing the Jets on Thursday Night Football, I remember watching it. I had uh, had to get my car fixed, I was home. So I remember watching it. Um, he had to go in the game and he looked good, right? The rest of the season was a dumpster fire. I mean, he's definitely better than Terod Taylor, and he looked okay. I mean, he's, but now look at him. He's struggling, right? And he's never really been that guy they've always wanted him to be. He's not the guy that played at Oklahoma. He could have benefited from another, oh, an entire year of sitting, at least. I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat for, like, three seasons behind Brett Favre. It's, it's a different scenario, but get the point. Tom Brady, too. Another exclud—like a bad example because, I mean, he had to come in for Drew Bledsoe because of an injury, but he was ready. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Sam Darnold. He started as a rookie in New York. Josh McCown is the same quarterback as Ryan Fitzpatrick the journeyman, the backup QB. But he would have been serviceable and probably would have gotten the same results as Darnold would have been, would have gotten had Darnold been sitting. That's continuing with that class, Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen had to play week early in the season because of a Sam Bradford injury, which is very classic Sam Bradford Josh Rosen's now the third-string quarterback on the Miami Dolphins, and I—that's where he was last year. I don't even know if he was there. Um, who else was? That was a big class. That was uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson didn't start right away. Flacco was on the team. He had to wait. I think he was a year older though. No, not he was in that class. I don't quite remember. I, I'm terrible with guys where they went to school and where they graduated or when they graduated. Um, Trubisky, he had to play week four, week five against. Um, they benched Glennon after Glennon beat the Steelers in like week three or week four. That's a bad example, though, because he rode the coattails of a good defense. And, I mean, I think he was better his rookie year and has gotten, like, steadily gotten worse every single year. Josh Allen sat. Josh Allen, actually, you know, maybe he did play right away. But, I mean, he even, he's very mistake-prone, right? It's not even that the guys that sit for, like, a full season – or most of a season, it's not that they, they're not ready to play. It's all with, like, the vision and seeing and reading defenses and, you know, knowing the little nuances that come with playing the position. It's, you know, throwing the ball away instead of making um, – you know, forcing a a tight throw into traffic and then you come out with an interception. It's stepping up in the pocket and knowing when to break out and just call the play dead and and just scramble. And, you you know, you ditch the the pass play. It's knowing when to go down on a sack instead of fighting, you know, breaking a tackle. Nothing's downfield. And, you know, you... You uh, maneuver a defender in the pocket and then you break out and you're outside the pocket and then you end up losing six more yards on the sack. It's those little things, right? And the really good quarterbacks know when they need to get rid of the ball or when to just go down or when to not even make a throw, when to audible, how to read defense. Those little things don't just happen. And you don't learn that at college because across the board, I mean, unless you're in the SEC and that's not even always the case, you don't have competitive talent every single week and then you're you're at the best of the best. You're with them in the NFL. It's so different. Like that's a stupid take, like when people say Clemson or Alabama would beat the Jets or when the Browns were bad. They'd get smoked. It wouldn't be close. It's like it's such a huge step from this level or from the college level to the NFL level. You need time to be able to just learn. Learn those little nuances, those little subtleties that come with playing the position. So I don't think that's a good idea, especially because Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing a fine job. So I guess we'll see how it goes. Tua is a good quarterback, he's athletic. Throws a good ball for a left handed quarterback. There's not too many of those. I mean, who's the last <laughs> lefty quarterback that I think of Tim Tebow? He was, he stunk. Mike Vick threw a lefty ball. Um, hell, I think the wide receivers are better passers, left handed passers, than the quarterbacks are. OBJ's a lefty. Um, I think Jarvis Landry's a lefty, too. Um, Just trying to think of some other examples real quick. Oh, Herbert. Herbert had to go week two. He's playing pretty well, but it's like they have a lot of weapons on offense. And he's very mistake-prone. It's like you don't learn, though. I I just don't understand why it's so hard for some of these coaches and GMs to realize they're not ready unless you're just saying, okay, the season's a wash. But in Miami's case, I don't know. Like, I don't think that their season's over yet. I mean, they're 3-3. and They're definitely not where they thought they would be in a good way, not in a bad way. They didn't think they'd be 6-0. and They probably thought closer to 0-6. But, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And uh, speaking of college football, um, I'd listen to a lot of the uh, big sports talking heads, right, I follow them on Twitter, I hear a lot of their bonehead garbage takes, so, um, you could call this, like, a Quake or whatever, right, but, um, just, here's some food for thought, the Jets are so bad, Washington is so bad, the Giants are so bad, the Daniel Jones, another guy, he just started right away, well, or they benched Eli. I guess they benched Eli a little later in the season. But Jones definitely wasn't ready. Or did he play Duke? Yeah, I mean, Duke's not a great football school. But um, those teams are so bad, right? Just imagine if Trevor Lawrence, I mean, the undoubted number one pick in this year's upcoming draft, what if he decides to play another year at Clemson? risk the injury not getting paid just so he doesn't have to play on a team like that. Just imagine if that. Now the likelihood of that happening is like less than point zero 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 one percent. But if I am right and he decides to do that, my friends you'll never hear the end of it. So um I mean that's pretty much it for the majority of the show. I mean just Twitter was kind of fun over the weekend. Um I don't know if, I mean, I don't know how you haven't noticed it, but the Pope memes, I mean, there's this uh, thing that started with uh, Pope Francis in the four pictures. And it's like the to the top left is him holding like the, the host of the Eucharist, you know, doing the transconfiguration in mass. And he's holding whatever somebody puts in the meme. And then the other three are pictures of him. And there were a lot of funny ones I saw, right? And I mean, I heard some people on other podcasts talking about it because I listened to a lot of podcasts as well. Um, They were talking about it and they were like, oh, this got old so fast. I mean, everybody was doing it, but I thought it was really funny. Like I still see them here and there. And um, that's actually a Twitter Twitter trend I like just because I think they're funny. That's just my kind of dad humor, I guess. I mean, some of the other ones are so stupid. It's like um, how it started, how it ended. I mean, stop. I don't want to see that dumb shit. Like, so stupid. I mean, like I said, ninety-nine percent of Twitter is really, really, really stupid. So, I mean, that just about sums up today's show. I mean, I definitely enjoyed talking about the sports a little bit, even though I did ramble on a little bit. But hey, it's my show. It's my world. I can do what I want, right? So. You can follow me on twitter instagram and snapchat at sawinski 8 at j-a-k-e-s-a-w-i-n-s-k-i-8 Jake sawinski 8 and uh hope you guys have a good week and talk to you next time episode 40 oh and um, please rate review subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends like family i mean the rate and the review is really good for like the apple and spotify algorithms and Helps get the show a little bit more exposure, things like that. And check out the old episodes too. If you picked up the show a little later and you haven't caught up yet, listen to those old ones and uh, see how far we've come. So have a good week, guys. Peace. Beautiful morning, get a summer morning, Beautiful morning, She just bleached her asshole, and I get bleach on my t-shirt. I'ma feel like an asshole. I was high when I met her. We was down at...